joy once again to greet all of you uh, in this beautiful and uh, matchless name of our Savior. And I believe today as we all gather together, um, I think because the lights just came on, some of you are slowly opening your eyes. I know uh, the, 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 the hindrance there, but that's okay. Open your eyes. I'm Justin Sabu standing here. Good, big God bless you to all of you who are here um, for our Sunday morning service. Malayalam service was a blessing, and I believe our English service, both our services and all our services, I would say, that we have on a weekly basis at our church Thursday evenings. We have our Tamil service. Uh, Saturday night, we have a service. Sunday morning, we have two services. Malayalam actually starts at 9 o'clock uh, with our Sunday school and our word, and then concluding, and then we begin our English service. All our services are a blessing as we come to the Lord. Don't be a church where you become and come with a consumer idea that uh, what am I going to get? But other than come with an idea and attitude, what am I going to give? What am I going to gain? What am I going to participate in doing what the Lord is asking me to do? And so if this morning as we gather together in the house of the Lord, when we are here, we know for sure that the work of the Lord is imminent and He is with us. And early in the Sunday school morning, this morning as we were hearing from God's word, we understood that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ Christ is something that all of us need to have in our mind. We focus on the coming of Jesus Christ. And this is a beautiful season. Month of April is a beautiful season. The reason why I share that is because churches around the world um, are gearing towards the Resurrection Sunday. Uh, uh, and in many churches, you know, I would say in many churches around, you would say every year on Good Friday, they crucify Jesus. And on Resurrection Sunday, they wait for Jesus to come back again. Again. But hey, the good news is he was buried 2,000 years ago. His grave is empty and the Lord Jesus Christ has resurrected and the tomb of Jesus Christ is open so that you and me can believe that my God is the resurrected King. He is the soon coming Lord. If he has fulfilled the promises in the past, he will also do it because he is coming back for you and for me, all of us together. He is coming back. Do I believe that? Hallelujah. Our coming to Sunday morning services or our practices for every services should encourage us that my Jesus is coming back. It should, it, it should build our life that we should be transformed at the moment that we hear the trumpets. Do we, we sing those songs, right? We sing those songs at the trumpet sound. When the heavens crack open, I will be transformed to be with my maker. I will leave the heavenly, I will leave the earthly place and be with my father in heaven. Because that is the hope of a New Testament church. This Sunday onwards for the next few minutes and uh, as we have this conversation and as we look forward to understand. You all understand me, right? Everybody? Can I see your smiling faces? Come on. Y'all are good. Hallelujah. Some of you have brushed your teeth today, right? Y'all look good. Okay, good, good job, good job, good job. Can I have the pulpit too? Thank you so much. Today onwards, we are going to look into a study on rising from the ashes. And a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving 
And while I was driving, the Lord spoke to me about this sermon series that I am about to teach in our church from this week for the next three Sundays that I want to bring. And yesterday afternoon and evening, while I was spending some time, uh, quiet time in prayer and meditation, I realized and I understood the power of God in my room. As I was just meditating in my office, I was just praying about the services, praying for individuals, and I, I sensed this immense power of God just coming over my body, and then I started walking around, and uh, something about me is, you know, I don't like to sit in a place and keep praying because if I do so for a long time, I will fall asleep. Y'all with me? Amen. So what I try to do is, you know, even that, that's the same thing that I try to do even when the worship is happening. I like to walk around and exercise and move around in that authority. And I was just walking around in my place. And, you know, as I was walking, I saw Josiah was just holding my pant. And he's like, what happened to daddy all of a sudden? I have seen him sitting in that chair, but right now he's moving. I mean, I was just walking around and praying and I realized and with that anointing, I walked into our service yesterday night. It was a powerful service yesterday night for all those who were here. It was a powerful night. Even while we were singing the song, I could just feel the heat of God over my life. And I believe that this will be a season for each one of you as we study that some of us are going to rise up from our ashes. And that's the word that God gave me. Rise from your ashes. Rise. It's, it's, it's time. It's high time that as church, as families, we realize, we understand that it's no longer that we sit in our places that we, we, we sit in places of ash but God wants us to rise up rise up and rise up rise up rise up and rise up Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 to 3 is where I want to stand for some moment and that's going to be a flagship us as we ponder upon the scriptures, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, and I'm going to read it for you. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release from darkness to the prisoners. Verse 2 would say, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and day of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who grieve in Zion. I don't know if there is anybody here at Zion Church who is grieving or under my voice who is grieving. This is the word that the Lord wants to give you. To give them a crown of beauty for ashes. To a oil of joy for mourning. And a garment of place of a spirit in the spirit of despair. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planning of the Lord that he may glorified. And as we ponder upon the scripture that is from the Old Testament as prophet Isaiah is prophesying in the life of Israelites, he is actually prophesying about the coming of Jesus Christ. And the anointed one is Jesus Christ. And when you look into Luke chapter 4 verse 20 and 21, you come to the understanding that Jesus stands at the temple. He opens the scripture and he reads out. And when he reads out the scripture, he reads the same portion. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is over my life and the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. Today as you listen to me, I want to go back to the same scripture with the first part of it is the Spirit of the Lord is over my life. Can I tell you, there are a lot of people who tell me that they are walking under the Spirit of God. You know, we, we can, anybody who has the Spirit of God in them, he's a spiritual man. And that separates you from the carnality of the universe. Oh, come on. 
Bible trying to understand this? There is a carnal man and there is a spiritual man. When the Spirit of God is over your life, you become a spiritual person that separates you from the carnality of the universe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do I have some people here who say the Spirit of God is over my life? Do I have some spiritual people in this house? You cannot talk like somebody else. You cannot walk in the ways that many others are walking on Richardson Square today. You cannot do stuff that many others, because you have the Spirit of God. It's over your life. You are a spiritual man. A spiritual man separates himself from the carnality of the world. Are you all trying to understand this? You're with me today. Amen. Amen. So you have to recognize, are you a spirit-filled man? Come on. If you are a born-again Pentecostal believer seated here in my church today, I will declare that you are a spirit. You better be a spirit-filled person. Because that has to separate you from the world and the desires of the world. That has to separate you because you are being purchased by the living blood of Jesus Christ. You have the spirit of God in you. Don't doubt about it. Don't doubt about it. A lot of our Christians today doubt that they have the Spirit of God living inside you. Yes, the Spirit of God lives inside you. Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail over you. The church is not just the building, the church is you. You are bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Bible says the gates of hell will never prevail over you. You are the living temple of the Most High God and the entire enemy would come against you. They will never win. You have the Spirit of God inside you. Come on somebody, look to your neighbor right now and say you have the Spirit of God inside you. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Praise the Lord. You have the Spirit of God over your life. Something that you have to understand of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will never disable you. Amen. When the Spirit of God comes into somebody's life, you realize he is a spiritual man. That's not about it. It's about the life that you carry. Not just you sit in a corner and you know I have people all the time. They say, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. They walk hallelujah. I don't know if they talk to their wife, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the wife will talk to the husband and say, Amen, Amen. No, 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 no. Spirit-filled person. It's the behavior. The normal conversations that you have in your home has to be spirit-filled. What does it mean? Even when you say, even when you say, here is the child that I made for you. I'm just trying to be your wife, you know. It's, it looks very awkward, but that's what Anisha does, you know. So, you <laughs> But that has to be spirit. The small conversations that you have within our church has to be spirit-filled. You cannot stand up and argue and do stuff that the carnal and the worldly person would do. The Spirit of God differentiates you from everybody else in the world. And that has to be the mark of a Pentecostal believer. Where are we going today? How are we discerning ourselves? That has to differentiate us. Come on somebody. That's why I say the Spirit of God will never disable you. The Spirit of God enables you to do work. 
Hallelujah. And that's why in the New Testament, when Jesus came up, he said, the Spirit of God is over my life. And, and, and he, he started doing the work of the Lord that the Spirit of God had asked him to do. Praise the Lord. If you are somebody filled with the Spirit of God here, you cannot disable yourself and stand aside or sit in the backdrop doing nothing. Can I tell you, if you have the Spirit of God living inside you, come forward. Let's build this church together. Come forward. Let's lift up the downtrodden. Come forward. Let us build what the Lord has asked us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I pray my voice will cry out in this generation where I pray a remnant will rise up. I pray a remnant will rise up. I have the Spirit of God in my life. Do you have the Spirit of God in your life? Do you really have the Spirit of God in your life? Now, the Spirit of God will never disable you. Let's read. The Spirit of God is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Number one. To preach the good news to the poor. It does not talk about the economic status. It talks about somebody who is poor in their spiritual status. Not, I mean, that does not mean that I should not preach to the rich folks. I need to preach to the rich folks because they give money to the building foundations. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it simply means, it simply means, I preach the poor, to the poor. Why does the scriptures, it, it speaks about, come on, it speaks about preaching the good news to somebody who is spiritually poor in their life. And that is, I'm so thankful for the evangelists from Zion Church who go out to minister. I am thankful for every single person who go out to represent Jesus in wherever God has taken you. It could be the university. Yesterday we were hearing a testimony. It could be the university or it could be your neighbor. You are an evangelist. Nobody has to ordain you. The assemblies of God or IPC or church of God, they don't have to give you a certificate to go stand outside and to preach the word of God. Hallelujah. Are you with me? When the spirit of God is over your life, you will start doing stuff that entertains the spiritual world, that entertains the kingdom of God to be established on earth by you and by me. And this is what separates us. This is what has to encourage each, each one of us. Hallelujah. Now it says, if the Spirit of God is over me, it helps me to preach the good news. I'm going really quick over there. And it, it, it talks to them about uh, to proclaim liberty. No, no, no. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. How many of you are binding up broken people? That's part of the ministry that God has asked you to do. If the Spirit of God is over your life, look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of the apostles. Binding up the brokenhearted is what God has asked us to do. We're always ready to poke and to destroy somebody's life. But Bible has anointed you to build somebody up. Bible has anointed you so that your words will encourage a brother to, to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you know there are people right now seated here who are going through some stuff in their life. They are brokenhearted. How many times, how many times have we bothered to check on them? How many times have we bothered to pray for that person? 
The Spirit of God is over my life not to disable me. The Spirit of God is over my life to enable me so that I can be a handiwork of righteousness in this generation. And that's what these scriptures will help us to understand. The Spirit of God is over my life to bind the brokenhearted. Number three, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release people from darkness to the prisoners. To release people from the darkness. To proclaim liberty over somebody's life. Your words create the world around you. And your words have the authority and power to liberate people out of the dungeons of darkness. Your word has the anointing, my friend. Are you all with me today? You may be all young, 60, 70 year old or the youngest one here. Your word has the power to liberate people out of their bondages. Your word has the power to set the captives free. And that's what happens when the Spirit of God comes in your life. The Spirit of God doesn't disable you. The Spirit of God enables you for work. In other words, when the Spirit of God comes into your life, you cannot sit in a corner idle. You're always going to be a spiritual man doing and thinking about things that you can do to establish the kingdom of God on earth. You will be asking God, let your kingdom come on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. The vision statement of Zion Church is on earth. Come on, repeat it after me. On earth. Say it louder. On earth. As it is in heaven. On earth. As it is in heaven. That is the vision of our church. And I pray and I proclaim when the anointing of God rests upon your life, you no longer will be idle, but you will proclaim that God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going really quick because I want to get, get to the point that I want to preach. It's from verse 3. It talks about to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And today I want to talk about give them a crown of beauty for ashes. Give them a crown of beauty for ashes. And this morning, you know, I was, because we have a lot of our Malayali folks here, I was asking the other what is the right word for ashes in Malayalam? And Apachan told me that it is the, the chamber, ch- chambal, right? Is that correct? Charam, 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 I'm sorry, I messed up again. <laughs> charam is the right word. And, and it talks about from that charam or from that ashes, God will give you a crown of, of beauty. What does it talk about? How does we, it just simply uh, makes us understand. When you, I mean, you cannot just, uh, um, preachers here, you know, if you go out and preach, don't just take one scripture and preach it just because you feel preached. You know, look at the background, look at what it talks about. And in, in the scripture, you have to understand when the scripture writer talks to us about it's about the God Almighty who is the one who does the impossible because you've been seated in that ash heap for a while but it is the work of the Lord that will change the situations around and I want to bring your attention towards uh, mythology which suggests and talk to us about a, a, a bird named Phoenix have you all heard about it? Mythology will help us to understand about a, it's not a real bird, but it's just a mythological understanding where they talk to us about this phoenix bird. What happens to the phoenix bird? The phoenix bird rises from the ashes. They talk about and the, the, the history of that goes back to the Judeo-Christian values or principle or also can be seen in the traces in the life of Jesus himself. They talk about that the, the, the phoenix bird, will when, when it knows that it is 
about to die, it will make a pyre for himself and it sits on top of it and consumes and, 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 and dies out and, and puts the fire on it and it, it dies. And it says after three days, the phoenix bird comes back to life again. And it is the same portion that mentions to us in through the scriptures that you may think that things are going in a way that you have not expected. But my God has a good news that he can change your ashes and give you a crown which is beautiful. A crown which is beautiful. Crowns actually differentiate you from everybody. Nobody here wearing any beautiful crowns. But crowns actually differentiates you from the rest of the crowd. Anybody who walks out on the street with, on, with a crown on their head, you know, we will have a second look at that person. Oh, who is this? Are they from the lineage of Queen Victoria? Or what is happening? Why is this person with a crown on their head? What's going on? What's going on? Crown differentiates you from the rest of the audience and the crowd around you. That's in the, the secret of the scripture that you see is that Jesus would say, or the new, in the Old Testament, prophet Isaiah would say that from the heap ashes that you were seated for a while, I'm going to change it and give you a crown which is beautiful. Beauty for ashes simply means that you thought it will not happen, but all of a sudden things are going to change. Something interesting about our God, he's a God who works in unexpected moments. When you think it's not going to work, that's when you see the hand of God working in your life. Have you ever had a comeback in your life like you were playing a game? You were in basketball or football, whatever you play, and you thought you had no hope for coming back. You had no hope to win. And all of a sudden, you have one of your teammates who come and score, who come and shoot, and give you nine pointers or three pointers. And all of a sudden, the course of the game changes unexpectedly unexpectedly that is the beauty of the scripture and through the scriptures you have to understand when God is actually prophesying into the life of Israelites they say that you were sitting in a heap of ashes but unexpectedly you are being given a crown which is beautiful a crown which is beautiful let me go really quick into that aspect over there it talks about the spirit of God is over me number two to give a crown of beauty for ashes and as I talk about this, I need to mention persistence always beats resistance. Let me repeat it. Persistence always beats resistance. You and me will have resistance in our life. Sometimes resistance or in other words, friction on the ground is so good for a vehicle to actually move. And that's when the, the grips of the tire will get and, and engage with the friction of the road. And it has the velocity, it has the speed, and it moves ahead. What if there was no friction on the ground? The vehicle can't move. Or if it does, it doesn't have a direction to move. It may collide. And that's why you got to understand. So in, in, in life to move forward, when you are seated in that heap of ashes, your persistence in life will break the bondage of all resistance and it gives you the access. And as you look into the scriptures here in the Old Testament, you have to understand the Israelites or the people of God, they always, when they fasted, they sat in a heap of ashes. They put ashes all over themselves when they wanted to show that they are grieving the loss of somebody. 
They wanted to show that they are fasting. They put ashes. Thankfully, that custom is no longer practiced. That when we come to church or when we are fasting and prayer, no longer we have to put ashes all ourselves. Just think about it. If you had to buy ashes and put over yourself and you had to come here during fasting, it looks ugly. But thank God for the other foundations and the makeup and the ashes that you normally put. Some people are smiling. I'm not looking at that side at all. But the Old Testament ashes denoted that they were fasting. It denoted that they were grieving. It denoted that they are going through penance and they are going through some stuff in their life and they cannot come out of it. And that attracted the presence of God to denote that, yes, my people are seated in ashes, but from the ashes, I'm going to turn it around and give you a crown of beauty. In the wilderness or in the captivity, when Israelites were totally downtrodden by the enemy nations, the Bible helps us to understand that's when prophet Isaiah prophesies and lets them know, hey, you know what? You have a hope. You have a hope. It may look desolate right now, but you have a hope. It may look empty right now, but you have a hope. It may look it's not going to work out, but you have a hope. Because my God is going to give you beauty for ashes. I'm going to really go back into the Old Testament. You all with me? Let's read Genesis chapter 3 verse 19. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19. In the early scripture, in the book of Genesis, when you look into that, Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, you see, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from, where, from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. When you look into the actual meaning of the word ashes, it talks about that, that, that it is a residue left after burning, is a residue left after burning of any substance. When you and me, and, or in the, according to the Hindu traditions, they actually burn the bodies. And when they do that, you see the residue of that is the ashes or the dust. Or if you take any human body and you burn it, don't do it. But when you do it, you find the residue a dust. And the Old Testament Genesis, book of Genesis helps us to understand, from, from dust you were made, and to dust you shall return. The value of human being is that you and me are just dust. Amen. Just dust. There's nothing more glorification to that. You and me, we are just dust. Podi just dust. We were created from the dust. And Bible says in the Old Testament, you were created from the dust and you shall return back to the dust. That's the hope of a world that we are in. That you and me, that we are just dust. But prophet Isaiah prophesies about Jesus Christ. And he said, yes, of course. Yes, of course. You were made from dust and you will return back to dust. But my God and Jesus Christ through his work of saving grace, he will give you a crown of life. And that's what you see in James chapter 1 verse 12. When you read that scripture, you understand, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. 
the Lord has promised to those who love him revelation chapter 2 verse 10 would say do not be afraid for what you are about to suffer my brothers I tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days be faithful even to the point of death I will give you victor's crown are you trying to understand trying to relate the scriptures because theologically when you understand the value and the depth of the word for beauty i'm gonna give you ashes you and me we were created from dust we will return back to dust but in the process of sanctification in the process of god's health god in the process of god coming down and giving his own life for us he is transforming and giving us beauty for ashes well, our, our life becomes a life of value because what we have done in our life in accepting Christ Jesus as our personal Savior. Are you all with me, church? That is the work of the saving grace. It's beauty for ashes. Can I have the worship team behind me? The work of the gospel is that the work has done and accomplished us so that of no value, you were created from the dust. You will return back to the dust. But in the process of life, the, 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 the work of the cross has enabled and me that we will become and we will inherit the crown of life never reject that that is what separates us it is beauty for ashes beauty for is is there anybody who preserves ashes is there anybody who preserves ashes no we don't do that we don't do that what do we do with dust in, the, in your house, when you accumulate a lot of dust, what do you do normally? You scoop it, you clean your house, and you throw it in the trash bin. Just imagine our story. That was the story of each of us. But the work of Jesus Christ on that cross has changed the course and the life of our life for eternity. Eternity and eternity has become ours. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, on the cross of Calvary, somebody chose to give his life for you and me. So that for ashes, you receive the crown of life. For ashes, you receive the crown or the victor's crown. You receive it. You receive it. Can we all stand up in God's house as we meditate through the scriptures and we understand God. We thank you so much for what you have done. Some of us who are gathered in this house right now, I want you to ponder, look into, understand and value the greatest sacrifice ever been offered for mankind and mankind's salvation. But nobody thought about us, Jesus thought about us. But nobody cared about us, Jesus cared about us. And that is the work of salvation that we see in this story here, in this prophecy here. And I'm going to prophetically declare as I speak these scriptures over your life. That we may be gathered here thinking that there is nothing good coming out of our life. Nothing good is going to happen about our life. People don't like me because my life is filled with dust. 
But can I tell you a good news? God that does not hate the dust. He loves the dust. In the beginning, God took the dust of the earth. He formed man. He breathed his life into the nostrils of man. You give your dust to the hands of my God. He will change it around. He is the potter. We are the clay. When we submit, when we surrender, when we give our when we surrender and give ourselves he builds it he makes us new he makes us new let's look to the Lord and sing this beautiful song and as we do that we can offer our tithes and offering and meditate in the presence of God hallelujah